Hello and welcome everyone. My name is Amber Shentrick and this is the CEDU Podcast. Today we have a special episode on women's rights. So this is going to be a very interesting talk. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm out here, you know, promoting myself. I don't know, you judge it whether it's interesting or not, but um, the topic itself is going to be very interesting, uh, very important too. So um, this is not a regular uh, episode as... Um, the trigger for me doing this um, this right now is the current uh, events that happen in Turkey in this regard and uh, this led me to think about like broader um, the, the broader concept of uh, women's rights and the development of these um, over the last couple of years or decades or uh, general in general the the um, protection of women the rise of uh, domestic violence and so on and so on. So I think this is a very important topic that we need to talk about. This is not going to be the last time I'm going to talk about it. Um, but um, as I said, uh, some things happened in Turkey and uh, it's currently a very messy situation there. So uh, I figured I, I need to uh, make a little talk about this one um, in the course of a kind of a special episode. Um, so again, welcome. Um, I'm glad that you tuned in. Uh, as I said, this is a this is a very very important topic. So what happened? Um, two days ago, uh, the president of Turkey, individually and uh, just uh, out of his yeah own will, um, signed a decree that uh, withdrew the ratification from the Istanbul Convention. So the Istanbul Convention is. I'm just going to talk very broadly about it. Um, is an agreement that um, is against uh, domestic violence and should protect women against uh, violence as well as uh, also being more harshly um, or advocating a more uh, harsh and thorough approach to persecuting uh, the offenders. So this is, a, is a, this is a very important agreement and it carries the name of uh, Turkey's largest city, um, truly a uh, a historic and uh, global metropole, Istanbul. Um, I will come back to that later because um, there is also a symbolic uh, aspect to it. However, um, this is uh, very broadly sketched, the Istanbul Agreement. If you want to read more about it, um, I advise that you do your own research. Um, as you might know, Esido Podcast is not here to um, provide these kind of uh, basic information, but... Um, here we want to make a deep dive on the um, in, in those issues and and have discussions on on the next level. You know um, these kind of um, other things, these informational things you can also find out on Wikipedia and um, elsewhere. So, anyways, um, that's the current situation. So, what happened then is that people went out um, uh, on the streets protesting against uh, this move. Some other moves ha um, happened in Turkey as well lately or um, actually uh, 
in the same night so um, it's kind of a messy situation but these are very um, yeah, more or less unrelated these are more financial developments um, but I'm not going to uh, talk about them right now so once I heard about it and Turkey has a rising femicide rate uh, unfortunately and currently ranks first I guess globally uh, which is extremely saddening um, this is not only because I am myself Turkish but Uh, in general, uh, we see the numbers rising in uh, most countries, so this is very uh, this is very alarming, and uh, we need to think about why this is happening. So, what we can see is that across many countries, and I mean, like we had just recently had uh, the International Women's Day, and uh, this year it was I had the feeling it was particularly um, tense because, um, yeah many young women on social media and elsewhere uh, they went out were very outspoken about the issues that they face in everyday life and it really moved me because these are the little things you know if you cannot just go somewhere and feel safe uh, in some countries it's better in some countries it's worse but um, bottom line is that women don't feel safe uh, doing daily activities outside of their house More often uh, than we think, um, even within their uh, households, there's uh, always a permanent th uh, threat of violence, uh, which is also extremely saddening. You know, domestic violence is uh, on all-time highs. And uh, obviously, this leads to the question, how how come? You know, how uh, did we end up in the situation, especially when we... Uh, think about the political landscape and people talking about all oh, democratic values and human rights and uh, whatnot i mean these are on the rise as well you know if you if you just uh, look at the speeches of politicians and um, how people behave they are so outspoken about how great uh, their democracy is functioning and everything um, but behind the curtain we have these kind of uh, issues on the rise and obviously naturally um wakes the questions how uh, this came about. So, I think feminist scholarship at this point is very useful to um, kind of understand uh, what is happening here. So, my approach to feminism, and this is a more academic approach to it, is not that... Um, There is a certain agenda that is uh, advocated, but I think uh, I think about it in a more methodolo uh, from a more methodological perspective, meaning that um, I think um, when we adopt a feminist lens, meaning that we kind of switch our mode of look uh, of looking at things uh, from a more attentive perspective, um, this helps us to uncover a lot of um, imbalances of power between men and women so let me give you an example um, if you think about green cars you constantly remind yourself of gre green cars I mean, i'm just giving you an example um, and you condition yourself to the to this you know you start whenever you go out you start spotting green cars but before that you were not spotting them you know you just lived your life you know just uh, perceived every car as being more or less the same but when you think about something and condition yourself to see it you you, you begin to to really understand and see that these are out there and every time you see a, 
um, a green car, subconsciously your attention is drawn to it. And the same goes also for feminism. If you start being attentive and or say to yourself, there are power imbalances between men and women, and you're aware of that, you start to see those power imbalances uh, more often than that. You, you, you're automatically spotting them. Uh, in everyday life, you see in, this, in these situations, you know, well, why um, did this person or this man uh, said this to this woman? Isn't that kind of um, hurting? And um, once we start doing this, we can understand uh, the power relation uh, much better. And this is my approach to feminism. So uh, I'm not a huge fan of people going on the streets and, um, you know, uh, ripping their shirts off and uh, being very aggressive and drastic in their approach to protesting. I can understand why they are doing this. You know, they want to draw attention and uh, kind of um, enforce change. But uh, this is not my personal approach. Um, I don't support uh, these kind of uh, methods. However, I'm, I can uh, really understand why they are doing this. And as I said, I have a different approach to it, um, which is fine. I think um, it's, it's also important to have uh, different perspectives and um, approaches to solve the problem and address um, certain issues that we encounter in society. Um, I, my approach might not be the very mainstream one and not the first one you think about, but I mean, this is what a pseudo podcast kind of stands for not kind of like it definitely stands for not being mainstream but i think um, from a technical perspective uh, which is also the main aspect of this podcast and the magazine as well i think it's very important um, to be also technical about these things and try to uh, come up with workable, uh, workable plans so uh, i would like to take you on a quick tour through the history of uh, feminism and um, i think this is very important to understand um, of how long the struggle uh, of women already has been going on for um, according to and I mean this varies from um, country to country nation to nation region to region um, it's very dif uh, different and I will also tell you about Turkey's place in, in that but when we think about Europe for example uh, women practically had no rights um, in medieval times and uh, it was only yeah after like it was only in the, in the 20th century when uh, we started to kind of uh, including women more and more into the process uh, or into society in general and um, here we talk about waves of feminism um, some of you might already know what i'm going to talk about um, but for those of you who don't um, there is the conception of feminism coming in waves or the, the progress of uh, feminism coming in waves and uh, currently we have four waves um, whereas it's kind of deb debatable if there's not a, f a fifth wave uh, currently going on or um, the fourth wave is kind of still um, extending or can it be counted as a fourth one I don't know um, but we'll see so uh, starting off with the first wave um, it's from the beginning kind of of the first uh, 20, uh, 20th century um, up until 1960s I mean it very depends on how you uh, want to, to measure some sources say it's beginning from 1920 to 1960 some say from 1940 to 1960 um, but in general the idea behind it is is that women started to say okay we want to be involved in the 
um, process of um, democracy we want to have um, the rights the basic rights to education uh, representation and accordingly in order to have the representation on the political uh, stage we need to have the right to vote you know and this is a very important um, aspect um, just for your information like turkey was uh, one of the first countries to include uh, women in their policy process um, which is a great thing uh, but it does not come to by surprise when we think about the deep um, or the the importance of uh, women in uh, turkish culture in general um, so um, a lot of countries just until like uh, until the 1990s even they had difficulties to uh, include women in, in their national parliaments uh, they didn't have the right to vote and so on and so on so it has been a long fight however after that from the 1960s uh to the 1990s there is more like the post-colonial and um ideology or ideological drive behind feminism um meaning that not only white women are entitled to um participate uh, in society and have the right to be uh, respected and accepted so this happened because during that time a lot of countries uh, became independent um, especially on the african continent um, if you look at the the dates or the, the years when these countries were formed uh, most of them fall between 1960 and 1990 so uh, we see um, also a lot of uh, democratization in terms of uh, political systems there and what happened then is that women from the beginning said okay well we want to be involved you know don't come up with this uh, bullshit and uh, try uh, to suppress us uh, you know uh, we're starting uh, with a clean sheet here so we want to be involved from day one in the third wave um and this is from the 1990s to 2005 a lot of people uh, listening to this magazine um, are yeah they, they, they remember those times um, and uh, also if you um, like uh, not right uh, right away gen z, uh, generation z or something like that uh, most millennials you know they'll remember uh, how it was back in the days you know um, NGOs were on the rise and uh, the globalization was um, in full effect you know it was uh, w also with the emergence of the internet you know the globalization was starting and uh, the world uh, started to move closer in that course feminism also got a boost and this was a great thing because then they um, these kind of organizations uh, they became cross-border societies kind of you know feminist movements from one country were able to link link up with others exchange network strengthen each, uh, each other and uh, they become institutionalized and this is a great thing because then um, the power of feminism was amplified you know they became kind of uh, these institutions became a motor and um, helped uh, women to uh, represent themselves uh, on a global stage from 2005 on, um, we have entered the fourth wave, and here this is uh, this is still ongoing what we what we are experiencing right now. 
if you listen closely, you know, you can you, you see that these basic rights of voting, representation, institutionalization of um, these interests, um, also um, kind of the equality among women and these kind of things, these are very basic things. We are already late with these kind of things. You know, these happened in the 20th, 20th and 21st century. So we are kind of late with these very, very basic things. You know, I'm not talking about the details, you know, about harassment at workplace, gender pay gap. I mean, these are bad things, but these come after being regarded as a uh, equal human being. Imagine that. And this only happened like within the last hundred years. So the fourth wave tackles these secondary issues. I'm calling these secondary, but it does not mean that they are not important. But they, these are the next step. And I'm talking about, again, very basic things. Maybe not as basic as being regarded as a, a normal hum, human being. But, I mean, I'm talking about domestic violence, you know. I'm talking um, about uh, harassment at the work, uh, workplace. Um, sexism in media, for example. Um, I don't know. Um, sex work in different countries. Um or gender pay gap, you know, these kind of things. There are millions of little things uh, coming together, although they are not little, you know, they are actually big things. But And here's the difficulty with the fourth wave, you know. I'm talking about these things. These are the, the, on the next step kind of of feminism, and it took us already th three waves to, to get there. And the fourth wave kind of combines them and tries to tackle them all, which is important and we are already late with these kind of things but here we see the difficulty you know when we talk about these kind of things um, they women face a humongous uh, challenge in kind of pushing to achieve those things because they are so uh, so large in number you know when we think back about the first wave we're talking about voting education and representation all right that's it you know, they know exactly what they're focusing. But today, we don't know what we... Are we going to focus on how women are represented in, uh, in advertisement? Are we going to talk about um, that women are um, heavily harassed uh, at the workplace or at the supermarket? Um, are we going to talk about these things, for example, what happened in Turkey? You know, domestic violence, open violence. For example, in Turkey right now, um, a lot of people who uh, raped and killed women they're not even in jail, you know, they're not even getting prosecuted per, uh, properly. They're out there, God knows what they're doing, you know. Um, and these are many, many, many very heavily uh, disturbing uh, developments and aspects of our societies right now that the fourth wave needs, needs to tackle and they're tackling it right now, you know. But they don't get any help. And these developments that we had in Turkey recently, you know, with, uh, with the uh, withdrawal from, uh, withdrawal from the uh, convention, uh, this is just uh, adding fuel to the fire. So instead of uh, going out and saying, okay, we already took hundreds of years or thousands of years, you know, to get to this point, you know, where we finally can talk about these um, uh, things in daily life, right we all of a sudden move back and say okay we're not even protecting uh women from domestic violence anymore and this is ex extremely saddening
So the biggest challenge of the fourth wave feminism is um, that there are a lot of um, things on the agenda that needs to be addressed and tackled. But uh, there is little help and... Um, yeah, men are kind of counteracting these developments, um, which is extremely hard then yeah, to achieve practically change. Because in order for change to happen, men need to change. And if they're moving in the opposite direction, then we are moving farther away from change there, rather than moving towards it, you know, uh, which is very difficult. So, how come? And this is the main question right here. You know, how how come that we um, lived on this planet for centuries, thousands of years, and we are still not at this point where the genders of men and women are equal to one another or treated equally? They are, but they are not treated in that way. Why do have uh, wh why must women still endure, uh, you know, sexism, violence, um, oppression? Why don't they have the same chances at the workplace? Um, why are they getting paid less? The fact that it is like that, we are not going to talk about it. You know, actually, we don't need to summarize all these things. We know that this is the case, and we know that it's extremely bad. How bad? This is only what women can know. We as men, we cannot arrogate uh, ourselves to say, okay, well, we know how... We don't know. Let's be honest. We don't know. Uh, and we cannot know. But we need to be attentive to it. However, I have a theory or... I don't want to say theory. Theory sounds so lax, you know. But um, I uh, think I know why this is the case. Wherever you see violence between two parties, and it does not matter um, what is happening there, you know, it does not matter. It can be two um, animals, it can be two states, it can be two people on the street. Whenever you see some, or wherever you see violence, wherever violence prevails, there is. A reproductional bias on one side or there's a reproductional imbalance on one side and what do I mean by that it means that one side has more means of reproduction than the other side has and this creates a competition or an anxiety of the of the side that is uh, not really strong Right, and in order to balance out this this imbalance, you know, so the one side has more means of reproduction, the other side has less, and the one on the lesser side uh, attacks the other in order to balance this out, right? And this is a rule for violence. So when when wherever you see violence, and there's an underlying scheme of imbalanced reproductional powers. Or reproductional means. In order to put this into perspective with men and women, which is the, the case here, 
is the following. So we all know the accounts that uh, when we think about the evolution that women um, mostly uh, stuck around the caves, you know, and the men were hunters and uh, they were out hunting, uh, searching for food and stuff. And uh, the women were at the campfire and were looking for, for the children, educating them. And this is also why they're um, linguistic skills are superior to men's well there's some truth to that i mean uh, we can we can see here clearly that this uh, helped women to evolve uh, better cogn uh, cognitively as they have like a bigger capacity to uh, to use language and um, understand uh, social patterns uh, better uh, than men do so here's the first reproductional bias but second of all, women have, uh, and I'm I'm very I'm going to call it very plainly, agenda-setting power, as they are the birth givers, right? So they naturally have a reproductional advantage towards men, right? Paired with the ability to better educate children, they are actually the main drivers of um, or they set basically um, the direction in which direction society is kind of evolving right through the education of their children so if they are able to kind of uh, transmit the information to the children at an early age they have a reproductional um, advantage towards men because the man is out there in the cave or at today at work kind of uh, doing all being away from the from the family how is he going to educate the children right so what happened here is that uh, men they obviously developed a more technical uh, understanding of the world and we, we know that like uh, I don't know the cars and planes and everything invented by men there's also the reason uh, the reason is because they were um, from the outset more engaged with technical things you know at some point somebody i don't know uh, made an x and uh were able, uh, was able to use this invention you know in the daily lives but throughout the centuries women always had like the reproductional advantage over men because they were able to educate the next generation kind of so structurally seen this always put a pressure on men to um put more emphasis on education and self-development than women because women are more lenient to towards learning and developing themselves as they are socially like from the outset from the evolutional perspective are a better position than, than men so when we look at uh, the periods in time when we made the most um, scientific progress and may it be the renaissance for example right or uh, during ancient times uh, in, in in greece or um, when we look at the the glorious days of, of uh, large empires for example the ottoman empire the in egypt for example the, the aztecs and mayas for example the incas whenever we had these great scientific uh, progresses and times where education and um, knowledge production was in the first place, the violence towards women were at all-time lows. 
because these men who are who were um, well educated they were able to kind of close the gap between women and men on the reproductional basis basis right so they were able to kind of uh, balance this one out and because of that uh, the violence towards women um, was lower than usual but whenever we look at the empires countries or times where there was no progress and there was stagnation let's talk about medieval europe um for example i mean this is actually the best example that i can give you know whenever we see um stagnating um civilizations the violence against women and we can think about the witch hunt here right there was basically for hundreds of years no scientific progress there was no progress in any case at all and what happened is um, the imbalance between women and men um, the discrepancy became larger and because of that the lesser part so meaning the men um, attacked the women in order to counteract uh, or kind of um, address the issue of reproductional uh, imbalance and this is exactly what is happening in turkey right now so um, there is a government in place uh, which is heavily biased towards religion and is heavily um, attacking, attacking also the, the educational system. And what happens here is that the, the nation itself is stagnating, right? We have also stagnating economy, stagnating uh, scientific progress, stagnating um, educational system. And what happens here is the discrepancy between men and women becomes larger. And this is the reason why they uh, withdrew, uh, withdrew from uh, this convention, because um, subconsciously they understand, okay, uh, we are not able to reproduce at the same rate uh, as, as women, although the, the nature of reproduction here is different. Um, in order to limit that, instead of developing ourselves we attack the women and we can also think about it in, in just as an, an analogy you know when we think about racism it's the same thing and this is this just proves my uh, uh, point here so when we look at racism in europe back then um, we can see for example that uh, when let's say black people had children with white people the kids always have predominantly uh, phenotypical characteristics of the black people right i mean curly hair um, or a darker skin for example and this is also a reproductional imbalance because they were able to, they are better able to um, transfer the, uh, their genetic uh, characteristics to the next generation than the white people were in that direct uh, comparison so actually racism evolved as a defending mechanism against this dynamic because they had the reproductional imbalance here right in order to close that gap they attacked like the lesser part always attacks um, the better part and um, this is where violence comes into play so this is actually the the worst approach that you can have 
you might naturally say, okay, well, why don't they try to be as good as the other part as well in order to close the gap? Because it's difficult. Nobody wants to go the hard road. I mean, if it, be, if it would be easy, everybody would be doing it, you know. I'm an advocate for that, right? If you have a problem that the other one is uh, better, um, is reproducing uh, him or herself better, has uh, more means of reproduction at hand, try to be as good as this person, right? Try to catch this person, kind of. Develop yourself. Learn. I don't know what. But try to co close the gap like this. Don't try to pull these people down. Because this is not how progress comes into play. This is how stagnation comes, uh, comes in the foreground and um, is going to be dominant. But this is, the, this is the key problem that men and women have on this planet. There is a natural bias towards women being, having more reproductional means at hand right there are just it is just that way i mean we cannot deny that we cannot deny that right but instead of attacking them try to develop yourself into a person that is able to uh, compete uh, with women like i'm talking about um, more uh, broader scale i'm talking about the aggregate scale i'm not talking about the individual level uh, there is no individual competition you know between men and women And as I said, whenever we had eras of scientific progress and uh, glorious uh, empires, right? Whenever these times were there, the gap between men and women on a reproductional basis was little and the violence accordingly went down. So this is my account on the whole situation. I mean, I, I use Turkey uh, as an example a lot this time, um, just because I mean this uh, current uh, is an ongoing situation there. And um, personally, I'm also very moved by uh, yeah by the things that that happen there. I mean, it's uh, it's a mess, you know. It's it's very saddening. Um, But the general idea, and I also drew the analogy to, to racism, is always the same, right? It's always the same. Violence all only happens when there is an imbalance in reproductional means between two parties. And the lesser always attacks the other in order to pull the, uh, the, the better part down instead of developing uh, him, her or itself Uh, into something that can compete um, and this is actually the whole story so what can we do um, i mean you probably guessed uh, that that i'm um, advocating for men uh, trying to develop themselves um, or in general like from a societal perspective we need to focus more on um, self-development uh, education and real self-realization because uh, no person who is um, very confident because of the achievements or of the capabilities that the person has is going to um, attack somebody other, um, somebody else is going to be violent to somebody else violence always arises from this imbalance that you are in a lesser position and uh, just try to bring yourself into a position where you don't need to do that I mean, it's very difficult currently in Turkey because, I mean, we're talking about the government here and we are also thinking about 
about these issues on a very societal uh, level. When we think about uh, it from a global perspective, it's even more difficult because we have gender pay gaps um, all over the world. You know, it's not just confined to one country. Uh, women all over the world are afraid to walk alone. Um, not even at at nights uh, at night in the streets anymore, but also um, in broad daylight. You know that they don't feel comfortable in certain areas, um, or even in the best areas where you can walk. You know they don't feel comfortable because somebody is approaching them. You know, is saying um, inappropriate things, and uh, this is happening everywhere. You know, there's literally no place in the world where where women hundred percent. Uh, to 100 percent feel safe uh, and this is extremely saddening this is actually uh, we should be very ashamed of it but as i said there's a technical explanation to it and i gave it to you um, do with it what you want um, but i really hope that you carry on this message um, and uh, share this episode share the knowledge you know i don't care about if you share the episode or not but if you get the get the message share the message this is what i'm about i'm not about you know promoting the podcast and everything or myself in in this regard i think the message is is the core thing that is at hand here and just go out share it uh, discuss it i'm very excited to hear what you think about it um and yeah so this is uh this was the the special episode of women's uh, rights but as i said i'm going to uh, have a lot more um, talks about this one uh, in the future but anyways um Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you for listening. And I hope you have a great time. Take care and bye.